Hello, everyone. It's time once again for Catalog and Cocktails, presented by Data.World. It's your honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with tasty beverages in hand. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd, product guy, customer guy, Data.World, joined by co-host Juan Cicada. Hey, Tim. Uh, I'm Juan Cicada, principal scientist at Data.World. As always, it's a pleasure. It is Wednesday, middle of the week. Uh, today, we shifted things a little bit, so it's still early in the day. But I know there's folks up uh, on the other side of the pond uh, who it's probably now appropriate to have your your cocktail. Uh, we are here Wednesday and super excited to finally have a guest who is a longtime listener. And I'm super excited that she's finally here and to chat about all stuff AI governance, data governance. Karen, how are you doing? Hey, great. I am excited to be here. And yes, uh, <laughs> Long-time listener, first-time caller, uh, <laughs> uh, to uh, join in on a conversation that uh, is definitely a hot topic and definitely something that I think uh, warrants more discussion. Yeah, I no, can't, super excited can't for our topic today. Yeah, well, we're going to kick it off. Uh, Karen, uh, who's director of client services at Hakoda, let's kick it off with our talent toast. So, so, what are we drinking and what are we toasting for today? Karen, how about you? Uh, yes, so uh, it's if I had a. I had to think about that considering it's uh, 8.30 in the morning for me. Uh, I, my first thought was uh, Bloody Mary, but that sounds like a lot of work for me. Uh, so I, I found something that I thought might be appropriate. I have a, a Shibui uh, whiskey. Um, and so there's a little nod to Hakoda. Hakoda is a, a nod to, it's just one of the snowiest places on earth. And it's a, Hakoda is a uh, snowflake uh, partner, and so I thought, hey, there's a theme. So here is my um, my whiskey in the morning, wow, <laughs> my Japanese nice. whiskey to get it going. <laughs> you are truly dedicated to the cocktail cause. Even I have not done it properly. I'm 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 just drinking some coffee. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> have I a coffee. I really cool too, uh, hey, right. cup. I do. Oh, yeah. I, I do like my little I Yeti cup. Put here, some interest from my whiskey. Some whiskey into my coffee here. Do that. I'm having coffee, but well, uh, cheers to you, Karen. Cheers to, to yeah. you to being to be listening to us for so long. Uh, I, I just want to go cheers like all our all our listeners. Uh, we've been doing this for almost close to four years, and we just do it because it's just so freaking cool that we have the opportunity to meet so much, so many cool people like you, Karen, and get to, and I mean, and, and somehow get to impact people's lives around this stuff. So, thank you, Karen. Yeah, so, to, to you, Karen. Cheers. Thank well, you. Well, gotcha. Thank you. So, given that our topic today is about lifting and shifting, like, so our warm up question is. How many times have you moved? How many times have I moved? Geez, I'm getting closer, if I were to guess, around 10 times. It's a very traumatic experience, actually. I've heard somewhere that up there with like funerals uh, and managing, you know, the death of a loved one moving is equally <laughs> traumatic and up there in terms of how um, it affects you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm counting right now how many times. How many times have you moved, Juan? So I think I've done six major city, like city country, uh, big movements, but the within cities have also moved a lot. So uh, my parents, they moved, they, my parents love to kind of change things up and get a new house and change a house. And to the point that even still today that they don't even tell me, I remember once, like before, like during COVID, like they, they did this weird thing that they built a house 
and they didn't tell anybody. And then we came, I came one day to go visit them like right after COVID. And I'm like, where are you taking me? They're like, well, look at what we did. I'm like, so I kind of grew up stuff like that. So I probably have switched houses so between 15 and 20 times. Whoa. Yeah. <clears throat> that is a lot. And, and, and I freaking hate it. <laughs> and uh, I'm super happy that in the house I'm right now, I've been there since 2019 and my wife and I are like, we're not leaving anywhere. We're, we're, we're staying put. We love it. So you can't say that out loud because you put it into the universe and it just, oh, crap. <laughs> knock on wood. How about you, Tim? Um, you know, I, I've traveled a, a bunch of different places, especially in the States, but never, I haven't moved that often in terms of cities. I, I grew up and I went to school in Cleveland and then I moved to Austin. I've been here in Austin for almost 15 years now. I think I've lived in maybe four or five different places in Austin, but I, I have a house now in Austin. So I have the luxury of like not having to have moved very often. My wife and I keep on thinking like, oh, should we move to a bigger house? And then we think about the pain of moving and all that. And we're like, Meh. no, I can't even know him. Anyways, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about other things that people are considering to move between data and AI. All right, uh, Karen, honest, no BS. What is AI governance and how is this related to data governance? Uh, so AI governance is a reference to using uh, what I'll say machine learning and um, and creation of some type of what I'll call data product um, generative AI uh, within that family of uh, making sure that all the guideposts are, are met to make your desired outcomes or your data product that is either a machine learning pro, uh, tool or Gen AI, for example, align to getting your desired outcomes, that it meets your uh, regulatory obligations. It is being respectful of uh, the human being's uh, data that is uh, included uh, to provide you those insights and that uh, uh, it also is something that is uh, easily understood as well. I'm sure we'll talk more about that. So one of the things that I wanted to call out as well is that even one, there's everybody has their own definition of governance, but even within AI governance, I noticed a tension when you're defining it between what I'll call more GRC type governance, uh, GRC meaning governance, risk, and compliance, which is more uh, like the legal validation audit type uh, approach for data management. And there's more the AI governance focus of, from an analytics standpoint, what we would uh, align more of what you see with DEMA uh, domains and practices as it relates to data quality and fundamentals. And so what I've noticed is that there's a lot of silos even uh, between the folks who are attorneys uh, or privacy engineers or uh, pursuing compliance in that perspective uh, of valid checking the boxes and making sure that uh, you're following ethical or privacy aware best practices. And then there's the analytics folks who are coming from a data team that all that have their they're you know shaking the stick about what AI governance means and that even then there's a disconnect. Are, are, are both of them right? Because you have kind of a, a, an expansive definition, I think, here. I think that's a good thing around AI governance. Is, is it all of this? Is that all AI governance? Uh, well, 
Short answer is, uh, well, yes, and it depends. <laughs> uh, in terms of the context of what you're, uh, what you're doing and the nature of the family of, uh, I hand wave AI because that can mean a lot of, uh, a lot of different subdomains within that broad umbrella of AI. But yes, um, it is something that does need to be addressed. I do think it means all of it in, in truth, and that you definitely have to take the analytics data management perspective uh, and then also the GRC standpoint, all of it really needs to be done. And they're all making valid points of what's being missed or what should be prioritized. Mm. So, you know, I, I think maybe to go to another sort of honest, no BS question here that's closely related to what we started with. Is there a difference between like, like fundamentally AI governance and, and broader data governance? Because th there seems to be a, a feeling in the community, the data community, the governance community, that, that there's something different. Like, 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 like AI governance is a new beast to be tamed. Uh, and certainly there's new technology at play here. But like how, how different are we talking? Uh, well, I mean, yes, there... <clears throat> I think what is happening is more that tension of those that have been working in data and analytics and more uh, traditional, I guess we'll say, um, analytics data management are noticing that the GRC folks are um, are making a lot of noise as it relates to uh, regulations and compliance uh, and just the harms of what are those secondary um, effects whenever you have um, an LLM that's put into production that affects people's lives or decisions on getting a loan or something like that. So what I think that's the, that's the true disconnect. In truth, yes, you do need to do the basics before you can do the shiny things, which uh, I, I've mentioned a few times, which is something that I think that the, uh, the folks who are, have been in analytics, data management, data governance realm have been uh, making a lot of noise about is like, yes, data quality matters. Uh, what I, where I think, uh, and as it relates to uh, making sure you have data sets that you're training on that are, uh, you can do something with, or that is, uh, which is a challenge unto itself. Where I think we get into a different definition is that all, you can pick, you know, DCAM, DEMA, whatever domains of like what we define as traditional uh, data management and data governance, there are distinctly different concerns uh, to be aware of when it relates to using uh, AI and ML uh, that are different. When you say accurate in the context of data management, that refers to making sure that that's a dimension of your data quality domain. Accuracy as it relates to AI uh, an LLM, I'll just call it AI for now so I, we can move it forward. But, uh, mm -hmm. but that relates to the focus of your use case and how you're delivering your insights or answers or um, the focus of your AI agent, for example. And so to me, I think there's that difference. And then it comes to, you know, explainability of the model. That is something that is different and not something that we've been doing um, that matters uh, for many reasons, just that transparency of what exactly are you doing? Uh, and uh, privacy awareness, yes, privacy awareness you should do no matter what, uh, as it relates to your data that's your 
providing insights on in whatever context. Where it's different is that once you have your trained model, uh, it becomes intellectual property, the totality of it, right? And so if you have training data that may be providing really powerful uh, insights to make decisions or change behavior for a business or uh, something that's valued in the market, if it's including someone's uh, PII, then that is something that creates big problems or has, uh, in, even in the US, that that's one, that's not okay. But two, uh, if there's a violation uh, that's called out by the FTC, then you can't easily pull out all of the data that was used to create this LLM or AI agent. And so there's concepts like disgorgement or just being asked to destroy the, uh, the, the model that you're using, which is uh, not a desired outcome after you spent a, con a considerable amount of time and money getting there. And, uh, and, and so going through there, I think there are different data, data handling and security controls uh, that are just different uh, because of the nature of how you can corrupt and modify the data similarly. Uh, and then I think something that I see constantly on uh, LinkedIn is um, this gotcha of fairness and, uh, and bias, you know, put in, show me a picture of a uh, CEO. And I, I feel like several times a day, I see someone posting a picture of um, like a older white man of like, see the bias, you know, yes, that's a thing too. And it, it has it does have consequence when you're focusing on other things beyond creating, you know, pictures. Yes. I think the point is that much of what's used in the training data is a reflection of what's in, uh, in real life, uh, of who we are, how we think and what we do. And, um, and that there is bias, uh, all around us. What you do about that though, is something that can get very complicated or controversial. And, uh, and also, though, is something that's a difference from what we do on a day-to-day -day basis and uh, within uh, analytics, data management, data governance. Mm. The, 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 there's a lot to unpack here. And, I, and, and what I'm, what's going through my head is like seeing this uh, a Venn diagram and an overlap between what is an AI, what, is, what we're calling AI governance and data governance. And in particular, I really liked how you called out the GRC, the governance versus compliance and the analytic governance. And so there's like the overlap there uh, is things when it's about kind of the PI, PII is usually one of the things, like GDPR, all these compliance type of stuff, right? So that's, so those are all the things that we are kind of, regulations are kind of being afraid that bad things will happen right there. So there's that overlap. And, and, and then there's other things that will, that still fall into the GRC governance, the, the GRC governance, which may not be such a big focus or not a focus at all for the analytics governance, like things in, in like biases, or like come from images and stuff like that. Like the, the analytics, you're, you're, you don't, that's not your world, right? So that type of stuff is not specifically for you. Now, um, okay, well, I mean, if, if you start creating these uh, big, larger models that you, you if you're building a, a model based on the data you have, which is your customer base or whatever, like, well, that's the facts of your organization, right? I'm mean, like, right. so you're not trying to figure out more biases or kind of balance the biases. There's like, you just train with what you have right there. Right. So, so then, but then there's also things that, that the governance that the call it the analytics governance 
they're doing, but it's not such a not a big focus in the AI governance, especially because it ends up being all this more images and text. So going back to like the data quality and all these things, it's like that is a focus on when you're talking about structured data. But when you're seeing a lot of this AI gov governance over AI, it's more about this unstructured, specifically text, documents, images. So I think that's the difference that we have to do. And I think and to call out kind of the, a post that today Malcolm Hawker put out there, just based on a conversation Tim and I were having with him a couple of days ago, it's like, wait, a disconnect. Time, I think you're, you're bringing up also the, silo, the, the silos that we're seeing here is that you have people saying, oh, the data folks saying, oh, AI needs to have governance, they have quality data. But actually the AI work that's happening, it doesn't, it's not dealing with the, structured data that has to deal with the data quality. So a lot of people are just kind of like, just they just want to be loud. As you said, they're making noise, but sometimes you're like, that noise is not helping anybody. Like, just go go figure it. I mean, you haven't even figured it out yourself yet. Um, I don't know. I'm branching now. I'm going to stop. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, and I think this is part of, let's acknowledge that this is uh, new to everyone and that there are AI experts that are bubbling up left and right, uh, often in our LinkedIn echo chamber. Uh, and so I think they're, and what I've noticed though, as you can see, for those that are talking, you know, throughout the community that uh, of people who have done it and have a little uh, scar tissue to show for it. And, um, and those that are posting for clicks. Right. And, and I think that that's, I think it's important to acknowledge that we're learning and that there are a lot of valid points that we need to bring in uh, to the iteration or the life cycle development experience of delivering value, which is the whole point of it, of something that uh, that supports the strategic goals of whatever business you're uh, uh, working um, in, and, and that there are real consequences to what you're putting out into the, uh, into the world that uh, affect people's lives and to be aware of that. And, and so I, I think there's so many frameworks that folks are competing of like the, the end all be all of what needs to be considered. And I think the point is that that's just calling out the disparity of how everybody's experiencing and working with the umbrella of all the different domains within AI to deliver what's meaningful of, um, within, within their organization or how they interact with their customers. And, uh, and that's really the point of that, yes, there, uh, there are different governance expectations and outcomes for unstructured data, semi, and then what more we're more, more used to is the more structured data and what you can do with it. And it's not that there, um, it isn't being discussed so much, but I think that it's being managed differently. And the GRC folks, as far as from their perspective, from a privacy engineering perspective, are the ones that are more hands-on in that domain. And that's perhaps why there's a perception that from the analytics governance folks that it's not being uh, looked at uh, because we don't talk to each other often. So is this just jealousy from the I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, look, it's like we're, we're, we all talk about uh, well, we're in the data world. Right? We want to, we want, we're trying to make organizations be data driven, right? And the the data scientist is the sexiest job. Like, oh, we have to look at what you can do. And now comes the wave of generative AI, which is like very first kind of text and stuff. And then 
all eyes just go to that. All funding goes to that. And I'm like, well, hey, me, 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 me. And then everything goes there. And then they start talking about the word, using the word governance. And then we're like, but we've been talking about governance over here. We haven't been paying, you're not paying attention to my, but it's, it's kind of different. It's a different game. And so I don't know. Part of me says is like, yeah, we just are, are kind of, we're not we're not being part of that the cool kids club has moved somewhere else and we're not part of it uh, i would argue uh at least from my perspective that uh that the folks that are in um data or the analytics data space are probably driving the narrative a lot more than the grc folks i mean i but I have my own bias that I'll bring to the table. What I will say, though, is that uh, there, it's undeniable that there's the hype cycle of uh, the expectations of what AI is supposed to do. And I think what where we've been seeing the most uh, adoption is the in the spaces where there's a, a manipulation of the of data as it relates to selling and marketing uh, to uh, to people, to customers. And so that's also where you have um, a high degree of uh, harms that can be experienced by the those human beings. And in uh, the US, for example, there's uh, very little uh, agency that an individual has to pursue uh, harms uh, against them. And so you're really just left to sit and take it. And that's really more where I think the GRC folks are speaking up. I think uh, the more brick and mortar or more traditional um, enterprise organizations are still, for the ones that did get budget and got caught up in the in the FOMO, I think what you're seeing now is the reality of what it takes to really create a meaningful production ready uh, LLM or agent that helps the business and the and and also realizing what it can and can't do. It is not going to fold your socks and um, and you know make sure that it, and and predict the future as like the Oracle of Delphi. Like to be realistic of your expectations. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Cinefin framework of just like making sure that it's a problem that uh, the Cinefin frame well. I'm just about to tangent on sounding like a big dork for um no 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 please <laughs> please continue this is more comfortable now i want to listen to the this so it's a uh four box of just how you define um a, a problem and whether it can be solved or how you solve it and the point is fast forwarding is that make sure you're your goals for what you're asking of your uh, AI agent are realistic for what it's made to do and to not overextend it uh, of thinking that it can do, uh, it's more than what it is, right? Uh, we are still, I think it's best to qualify it. I heard, um, think of it as your, um, your best intern uh, and that it's something that can facilitate a lot of more manual repetitive processes, for example, with your oversight, as opposed to fully uh, deploying something to be standalone, uh, to do something uh, to duplicate your your work. We still need a thinking subject matter expert to decide whether it's right or wrong, to give feedback for tuning purposes. And I think that's more where a lot of folks just don't know 
and are learning along the way. And I think it's more important to call that out of, uh, and similarly within our AI governance experience of we're learning, there are so many frameworks in truth, you need to find the, your framework that works best for you and your use cases and your uh, team that you work with as it relates to you know who you're um, interacting with or who the beneficiary is of your uh, AI agent, let's say. And then also just the best practices as much as we have like SDLC practices and it's involved in data ops. I think there's also something to be said that it's a blend of a lot of that plus plus to bring in the right people, human beings at the right time to, uh, to make sure that you're talking through the implications and uh, being on top of it, even deployed to production monitoring, mm -hmm. uh, to make sure it's doing what you're expecting it to do. And also being able to intervene at the appropriate time and recognize when there are problems accordingly, because just like you have, you know, observability uh, activities for whatever's in your data stack. Similarly, you have different uh, guideposts. Uh, when we talk about, you know, like uh, model poisoning, you know, somebody, bad things can happen. There's a lot of different things you can do to your data set that can have cascading negative consequences and plan for that accordingly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part that everyone's still learning. And um, I think everyone should be okay calling that out and acknowledge this is a learning experience. But also if you're using that uh, AI agent for uh, within uh, a business context, interacting with customers, that you need to be very thoughtful about how it's being used because it is affecting human beings. I think mm -hmm. they're, um, in the news, we had Air Canada just, uh, there's been a few things in the news, but most recently, we have a chat bot, sounds pretty benign, uh, that somebody was talking about, uh, or talking with a chat bot in Air Canada about um, booking bereavement fare uh, and asked a question that uh, related to, okay, what should I do with what's the bereavement policy when um, his grandmother died? And um, the feedback that it gave it, gave, the guy talking to the chatbot was that he should uh, book the travel and then submit for uh, a refund. And as a result, there is material consequences that he's Air Canada is being held accountable for that feedback. So, I mean, that's a real consequence that also has monetary uh, impacts. And then separately, what I've been seeing is that uh, there's been some traction in calling out an oldie but a goodie, uh, the, a law in the US for um, wiretapping, the Wiretapping Act, and then if it's a third party um, chatbot that's uh, capturing your communications on somebody else's, well, on your uh, data platform or on your website, that that's uh, something that has material consequence as well. And so, I mean, these are things to talk about, but I think also are being kind of tested in the courts and also from a data management perspective of like what's realistic and also for what it costs from a FTE standpoint, meaning all the human beings, all the intelligent human beings that have to contribute uh, and the time and money, uh, significant budget that it costs for training your data, tuning it to bring it to production. Like, is that realistic for your desired outcomes to make it a worthwhile expense for everyone? Mm -hmm. I, I, I love this, the whole, uh, this is a t-shirt, be realistic, right? Like, is that realistic? Right. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I, love, but- I love it. Uh, by the way, what is the name of this framework? The Cinefin framework. Let me. Oh, uh, C Y N. C Y N framework. Uh, yeah, C Y N E uh, F I N. Yes. Okay. Interesting. I I think this is uh, an interesting topic area we just hit, which is kind of around use case uh, governance, not not just around kind of what's realistic, but also. You know, for for a second there, I thought we were in analytics governance land, but then it kind of then came back to GRC again, too, because there's an impact on our legal obligations. I mean, like if a chat bot says, hey, you can do something which actually isn't the policy, you know, is a corporation liable for bad advice that a chat bot offers? And, you know, and the answer is probably I mean, like if, 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 if you have a you know, if that is a representative of your company, Right. Um, you know, yeah. And, and this goes into architecture, too. I know there's a technical aspect of this, too. Right. Like, you know, you want to you know, control these experiences, govern these experiences where maybe in that situation, rather than it actually prescribing the policy, it should have said, hey, here is where you can read up on our bereavement policy or here is the phone number you can call in order to learn more about the policy. Right. But it actually went and it proposed something. So th- this creates a lot of interesting things here. So I, I think. What, what I'm seeing from this conversation is that uh, even though they share common foundations, you know, broader data governance and AI governance aren't wholly the same. You can't just kind of, you know, going to this whole lift and shift or, uh, you know, kind of analogy we want to give here. There's not just a lift and shift of sort of data governance to AI governance. There's uh, new things to take into consideration and uh, an extended aspects of the foundation, which you have to take into account. Absolutely. Yes. Well, and I think that's the point in that uh, I find myself in that push and pull between it's its, its own culture unto itself, like the um, the the privacy uh, practitioners at uh, at so many large organizations that are jumping in and doing um, what's called privacy engineering uh, to those that are on the on the cybersecurity side. And the point is. I think the new normal is that that's what governance is and will be, and that I've seen tension from every uh, every point of view of that. Like I've learned, and working with the privacy folks, that they don't have an awareness of well, like what master data management is and the impact of that as it relates to uh, consistency in your data uh, for changes that might make may occur or updates that. Um, that that's one thing that I've noticed. And then separately, uh, as we were calling out, that the analytics uh, governance folks, when you think of that have been doing data governance thus far, see the see their boundaries as it relates to, you know, a lot of the frameworks we've already been talking about of DEMA or DCAM or um, whatever. And so they usually see a hard line when you go over to like the cybersecurity folks, like the uh, privacy folks where they, oh, that's the legal team, that's, I'm not an attorney or, but it's really something that you have to have awareness of because you have to do all of it. And then the question is, what's the most efficient way to do it? I mean, I've learned it more because I feel like I've needed to MacGyver my way through a lot of things of like, I need to figure this out. But I mean, what does that look like in real life for us going forward for a tenable governance experience to do what's right and also to deliver something that the the CEO or the CFO gets excited about in terms of what we delivered for uh, from what we originally set up in our uh, business case uh, when we started the experience, right? 
Yeah. And what I find what I find really interesting about this is that you're saying, if I understand correctly, it's like this this new normal, which is going to be more about having privacy, like a big focus on privacy type cybersecurity. But then that means that it's again, I always talk about the pendulum swings. So it seems like we're like swinging the pendulum all to to one side because of like, oh, bad things can happen. Uh, but then like, but there's also these core data management practices that are not well known kind of for, coming from the, in the, the privacy security side that there, there may be privacy security issues there, but we like, there's just more education that needs to be happening across all these different silos that we're, that we're seeing right now. Um, and, if, and so it, it begs the question is like, we're in an organization, how is this all being managed? Like you have data governance offices and then you know people doing AI and like people in their security and other places is like, just by how things are structured, everything is siloed and like, how is this all gonna start connecting or, or, or not? I don't know. I mean, the reality is, is nobody's talking to each other. And uh, I don't, I think that's pretty consistent. Uh, what I've learned is that it's confusing often when I may land in a, like a data team uh, where we're working on pull, pulling together um, their data stack and working on perhaps um, creating some data products together to ask for, hey, who leads your compliance team? Who is responsible for your risk management? Can we bring them in now and make them a part of the experience? And often that uh, that's just, there are a lot of follow-up questions like, why would you do that? And, um, and so I think that's just an emotion for everyone what does it look like going forward? That's a great question. And I think it's more what I think will happen will, uh, that organizations will change when it's worth their while to do it. Uh, as with anything else, uh, <laughs> if they can, if, if it behooves them to um, improve, you know, value streams and uh, turn it into something that affects the PL, I think that's when there will be true change. And, uh, and that's more where I also think that there is that tension, which is, I definitely understand where the GRC folks are coming from. Absolutely. I also understand what uh, the folks in like the MarTech space are working on and why, uh, what they're trying to do. And, and that's where I think the point is to show that you can uh, make considerable, uh, deliver really powerful, profitable, uh, multiples of, of revenue by doing the right thing, by being privacy aware, by being compliant. And I think that's really what the point is uh, as compared to what we, what I have seen, which is there is zero awareness often of for those uh, data scientists and data engineers that are working together to just ingest all the data and come up with some incredible insights and behavior. Uh, but without any uh, acknowledgement of some a human being's information that uh, really is like surveillance type information about behavior location so that they can be better marketed to or all of that sold to somebody else as a package. Like, I think that's where either there's going to be an inflection point where something really uh, catastrophic happens to get everyone's attention or I'm hoping more by setting patterns of doing the right thing of that we can better align organizations so that all uh, all the folks within the data teams 
and compliance and risk and uh, privacy or the, the legal teams all work together. Like we all must work together in a cross-functional uh, team. That, that really is the only way to uh, work together primarily because it takes a whole lot of time to go speak with everybody individually, but also it's, it's the right thing to do. And I think it's more uh, moving away from more tribal, but like fiefdoms or more like feudal system, which is really where we're at at the moment. Yeah. Uh, for most organizations. Yeah, I know that. I have my goals. You have your goals that uh, are aligned for the year. I'm looking out for me and, uh, you know, I don't get in my way. And often what I've noticed as well is that they're, uh, they may conflict in some way uh, where to reach their said annual goals and stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's a, it's a challenge and great call out one. No, that, that's really a huge challenge. And, you know, one thing that gets triggered, it's, it's sort of related to this, but a slightly different topic is I know before, you know, we, we started doing our live show today, we were talking a little bit about data products and data mesh approach and things like that. Right. And, um, you know, how do you see data products fitting into the picture around AI and AI governance? And is that going to help with some of these problems around fiefdoms and, you know, these different silos? Yeah, you know, I want to I will add to that. It's like, but I, we, we're continuous to talk about all the silos, just the culture of people silos. And I wonder if this is a way how we all rally up together to start the communication. It's like, okay, we may all have different perspectives. We have different goals. But what we can't agree on is that this thing here would make value for all of us. So let's go figure out this thing. And, and, and I'm, I'm kind of holding something. I mean, <laughs> the, this is the product, which I'm kind of doing. A sh the product and then the governance. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> We're gesturing for our listeners. <laughs> That's right. Uh, right. Yeah. And so let's take a few steps back. I'm a, um, I'm a founding member of uh, the data product leadership community uh, that Brian O'Neill started. And what really caught my attention many years ago was listening to a podcast with him talking about something that I saw over and over again, which is that uh, the data team creates uh, a report of some sort, analytics. Uh, it's really moved into ML and AI, but the gist of it is they uh, put a lot of time and effort to, they get requirements, they deliver the report, and then the end user says either that's not what I wanted at all, or uh, they just never use it. And, and so I kept seeing that over and over again. And the, the point is that data product is more uh, a verb in the sense that it's the process of how you create that outcome, which engages a cross-functional team with all the folks that should be involved at the beginning and that you create uh, together either, um, well, first the the process flow that you're looking to evaluate and all the points where the personalities or personas interact and you, and you decide together the intersection of the persona, let's say a customer in the order cycle uh, at a particular point where you see that as the highest value starting point to create that data product. And then you work together with someone from uh, the tech team that understands what's under the hood, someone from finance uh, uh, and accounting who understands how uh, how you make your money, you know, uh, a senior leader who understands your strategic goals, 
someone who interacts with the customer, someone, subject matter experts on the domains, and to make sure that they're all involved at the beginning. And then you take that prototype and do a, a short round of typically five um, folks uh, to interview and interact with your rough prototype before you even write a line of code. And the power of that is that one, you're collaborating with everyone at the beginning rather than them seeing at the MVP phase for the first time, uh, that you get, uh, I think, uh, you hit on the org change management part of it, that they you took the time to ask and that they're now getting uh, muscle memory to talk to each other. Uh, so you, speaking of governance, have basically your, uh, your governance council for that use case when you're done. Uh, and that when you're going through and uh, creating it also, it's very structured and using the Cinefin framework that you are asking the right question and solving the right problem at the beginning. And the power of that is really the output of the data products as opposed to it being more like an analytics insider, an AI agent. And so that's where it's very powerful, I think, not so much it's, the data product is meaningful and can be in a decentralized data mesh, meaning like your domains for finance and marketing, uh, where you're bringing the subject matter experts that are closest to uh, the business, who know the business best, and making bringing down those barriers to identify the insights quickly, but also having a repeatable process that everybody you know can get on board with to do that verb to deliver the data product and the data product then obviously you know you can work with governance agility is the concept of what you see in like a data ops platform or you know which the permutation from sglc to what we in the cloud um <clears throat> that it's included so that's not something that you have this great idea and then you spend for months or years because of your technology but that's more an enabler of the business um rather than the technology being the outcome and similarly the data product is the outcome of the people and processes, which is the most important part. Uh, this segment right now has so many golden nuggets. Um, and what I really, really enjoyed listening to you right now is that it tied basically everything that we had discussed earlier to today. I mean, talking about, I love how you say it's like, it's, it's the process right, around this. And you want to have the people from the beginning, right? So then that's how we were previously talking. It's like, you should bring in folks from the legal, the, the privacy stuff. So you, so that's, you start bringing them in from the, from the beginning around that stuff. Right. Absolutely. And then you tie it back, you tie it back to the framework, the, the Cinefin framework. And that, so we know that we're actually focusing on something. We're solving the right problem. That it's something realistic. We're not just going off and throwing things out, like coming up with something that we, some magic stuff that we, that we really can't do or can't do yet um and then and then tying this back to 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 the the the, the analytics governance and the and the ai governance and then the the, the the risk compliance governance and also thinking about the the structured data and unstructured data it's like heck if it is just a, a data product about unstructured like here's all the the documentation about our our, our product and we're going to go create our uh, an AI agent that's going to build this, we're going to do a chatbot. Well, then the first product right there is going to be like all the sets of documents that we know, that we, is this the latest version of it? Like, do we know that this is the latest stuff, right? Can we go trust the stuff that's in here? Like now we start bringing in those same practices that kind of are, are that 
the data folks have been doing when it comes to like what is trust is this high quality i knew that Absolutely. and then uh there's it, a like, big difference between a single source of truth and master data if we want to get super pedantic, but yes, absolutely. Trust yeah, is the point, is that you, it's trusted, right? And, and then we actually know who the consumer of that's going to be, right? And what are the implications of putting this all in training on that stuff, right? So we just have all those conversations from the beginning. And then at that point, you say, yeah, well, this first version is only going to use this text fine but as a good product management you're like well what could happen later what other what what could be the next steps that we could dive then into some text uh, some structured data stuff like so i i really i think we need to start thinking more about the data products as is again one is that verb the process and it's not just about the 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 structured data which i kind of feel it ends up being there right oh it's living in my warehouse or stuff like that's like no it can be any type of data from structure on structure that's the way it's so having this conversation about products it's what's really going to start uniting all these different silos that we have um i know i'm i'm, I'm that's the takeaway i'm having i'm feeling really happy about this because it's like i've been seeing a lot of disconnect and this is helping me figure out how to connect them i'm actually gonna i'm gonna ping malcolm right now saying hey you gotta I'm curious I feel like we should like have a big discussion. I'm a big fan of Malcolm as well. Uh, yeah, and he makes a valid point. Um, we all need to come to the table. I would argue we need to bring some of the uh, folks that are making a lot of noise from what I'll say the GRC space. I don't know if they would appreciate called that, but but um, you know representatives from, who are speaking about the more cybersecurity uh, voice being in the room as well as uh, privacy um, leaders it's all important and it all needs to be discussed and included in the experience. Yeah. I was like, just texted Malcolm right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tim, you got any, because we can keep going, but we gotta, we gotta start wrapping up. So with our lightning rounds and take yeah, away. I mean, maybe uh, a lightning round question before the lightning round, except it's an open lightning round is, uh, you know, you know, there's some good, like Malcolm had a great post today around AI governance, right? There's also a lot of, I, I think, Karen, what we, what we kind of called like theater, there's like social theater going on right now as well. Do you have any, you know, recommendations to listeners or folks that are watching on like how to navigate all this, you know, advice out there that maybe it can be construed more as sort of blockers or, you know, what, what what's your advice on navigating some of the information that's getting kind of, you know, loudspeakered out there? I think the best recommendation is to just get hands on and do it yourself in whatever context is meaningful for you. Uh, and so, for example, I have my own use case where uh, I have a bunch of cookbooks and I, uh, when I'm cooking, I, I don't know where all my recipes are for particular, if I have a bunch of extra, like, you know, I don't know, cucumbers or something that I need to get rid of, you know, it would be great for me to have a problem, real problem for you to solve. And what I want to do, or I'm trying to put together is how do I scan my existing cookbooks and be able to pull up uh, a recipe for uh, cucumbers or that uses cucumbers so I can power through <laughs> all of it before they spoil. Find something meaningful for you and give it a try. And I think that's more where it doesn't have to be a, a really sophisticated, you know, create a new value stream for increasing customer traffic. Find something that's meaningful for you 
I think that gives you a lot more context. There's a lot of information out there for tutorials, often free. Uh, they tend to be uh, biased to particular uh, flavors of data platforms. Okay, um, but the whole point is to get started. Um, you know best uh, after you do it. And, uh, and then I think that that's where you improve the feedback and voices in the room. And, and you can tell from the feedback and the posts, um, not just on LinkedIn, for, but just talking to folks on um, Substack, other places of folks who are really doing it versus who someone who turned it through um, their chat GPT for whatever buzzwords that to get their post for the day or whatever. <laughs> uh, I love how we're calling out uh, the the folks who just want to post things. I mean, I mean, respect to folks who are like they're really hustling out there. But I mean, I think as a reader, as a consumer, you also gotta you gotta dig in and find out the honest, no BS behind things. That's right. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, um, lightning round. Lightning round. We got oh, man. Look at our notes. We got so much stuff in here. Okay. First question. Is AI governance in the scope of the data governance teams? Wow. Uh, I would say yes, yes, yes. If it has to be a binary, uh, I would say yes. And but I'll leave it at yes. Okay. It's got to start somewhere. And I would think that's there. The point is that it's it's a little bit more than that. And I think that's what everyone's learning. Yeah, maybe they're the tip of the spear on it, but it's bigger, right. bigger than just the data governance team. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Interesting. Second question. Um, will there be or is there already interesting software and tools that are focused on AI governance? Uh, yes. 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 And there's uh, many. And it's I think it reflects the bias of the folks we've been talking about today uh, as to how they're targeted and uh, released into the market. I think there's a missed opportunity for the totality of it. Uh, to do it efficiently, to serve you know business goals, uh, to bring all those voices into the room programmatically. So it, a GR, GRC bent to it. Well, it's either GRC or uh, or it's uh, more the DNA and analytics governance. Oh, okay, uh, so it could be biased in one direction or the other. Yeah. And then that's my point is like I know that there are tools coming from each perspective that I haven't seen one that actually does all the things in one place. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Without Frankensteining your way through it. Yeah. No, it makes sense because also the, 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 the people building those tools come from one of the sides. They don't, they're not talking to the other folks. So it's like, yeah, this is, a, this is, this is going to, this is going to be interesting. How Conway's law, it reflects the, uh, the, the nature of the organization or the, uh, <laughs> good or bad, that yeah. the, the differences in them working separately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why part of like to avoid getting to that Frankenstein moments, right? It's, it's again, it's people of process, but also I think you you, you hit the, the golden nugget that you shared today was on the how we can start thinking about this from a data from a product perspective, and that's how we start building putting putting the people together. So, all right, next question: Will the GRC concerns around AI overpower the AI governance conversation? I think yes, in the sense that uh, when and if there are uh, regulatory uh, compliance rules in whatever domain or jurisdiction you work in that have teeth, 
uh, that forces the conversation uh, pretty quickly. And that if you can't do business uh, because of the consequences of what you've put out into uh, the public domain, uh, that gets folks' attention pretty quickly. Yeah, the, the, the clickbait uh, things, all that gets, you don't want to be in the news, right? So you want to avoid being in the news. Yeah, there's some interesting stuff going on with the FTC. And then uh, as it relates to what's going on in Europe as well, it's still early days, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, good advice there. All right, last lightning round question. Can enterprises innovate around AI without a well-formed AI governance strategy? I mean, I have my bias, but I'll say, uh, can they? Yes. Will they do anything that someone wants to pay for uh, that will add value for whatever the business strategy is? I'm going to say probably not. But I know that there are a lot of uh, propeller heads out there that are, you know, cobbling some stuff together to help them write code or uh, or something that is exclusively on the technical side that doesn't rely upon um, so much uh, data sets as it does processes. Uh, I know that there's a lot of that going on successfully. Yeah. It doesn't have as much of a lift um, or value like multiple at the end, but it's happening. Yeah. No, no offense to the people who are enjoying playing around with the technology and finding cool use cases to, to throw this at. Right. But, um, but if you really want to take it to the next level and do this in a scalable way, both that protects you and predictably creates value. Right. Predictive and prescriptive uh, outcomes are really where uh, where the value's at, where everybody's shooting for, and that's where there's a lot, a lot more. That's where you do absolutely need to have uh, a full governance framework, yeah. AI or whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's where it matters. Yeah. Hmm. All right, Tim. Takeaway time. Takeaways. All right. Um, so many good things. I'm going to do my best to keep this brief. Um, so we started off with the honest no BS question of what is AI governance and how is it related to data governance? Uh, and Karen, I think you did a great job trying to, you know, really explain what it is and decomposing it, right? I think you had a lot of uh, well, well thought out and carefully chosen words around AI governance is a reference to machine learning and generative AI data products. So both uh, kind of across the different AI oriented domains uh, and making sure that all the guideposts are met to make sure that your desired outcomes around ML and AI your regulatory obligations and your respect to human beings and their data is all achieved. And you also talked about the value and it being something that's easily understood. So I thought that was a broad, uh, but really effective definition with a lot of carefully chosen words there, which I, I think was very, very, very helpful for, for those who are listening and trying to understand what is this domain that, uh, that they're exploring here and what is, you know, what does it cover that is familiar, but also not so familiar, right? Uh, everyone has different definitions of governance, but there tends to be sort of two angles at, uh, at governance in general, and certainly is very true with AI governance, more the GRC angle, governance risk and compliance angle tends to be more kind of driven by, you know, legal and regulatory concerns, right? And then uh, analytics governance, which is more driven around sort of the data insights and the data quality. 
both of them obviously are very important to AI governance. Uh, we talked about the scope of AI governance, and I kind of posed the question: Is like, are they really that different? And I think the conclusion is that you know they, they, although they share a lot of the same foundations, they are there are some pretty major differences and new things to really explore and understand here. For example, you gave an example of. Um, uh, you know, a chat bot that uh, was being used by Air Canada, right? Uh, and some of the complexity there with, um, you know, the responses that it gave that then put, you know, them into some not just user experience jeopardy, but also probably into some legal jeopardy. Um, and, you know, these are new issues around privacy. You know, privacy is not a thing that we're unfamiliar with, but, you know, privacy and legal obligation, accuracy, quality, these things have a new light and new ways that we have to try to understand and enforce them in this uh, in this situation training bias content infringement um you know all of this is, is is introducing some new things that as organizations we have to navigate and of course very importantly value right because we, we don't want to over index just on the grc side of this we also want to make sure we're focused on the right use cases leveraging our money in the right ways to have the biggest return on investment um so much more, but Juan, I'm going to pass it over to you. What were your big, uh, your big insights? Yeah, so one of the things I'm, I'm just right now reading already so much is this Cinefin framework, right? So I'm looking up this five decision-making contexts or domains around clear, is it clear, complicated, complex, chaotic, and confusion. And we should be able to apply this right now to AI, make sure that we're actually trying to solve the right problem and something's being realistic. Again, I love to be realistic. Right about what problems this technology can actually solve well. Right, the co-pilot experience. Right, it's a good intern. Like we have, the, we got to be honest and no BS about ourselves with what we can and should be doing right now, and bringing human, bring bringing human beings at the right time. Again, this is all. This is also the clear, the clear takeaway here. Uh, we need to call out that we're also learning around this stuff. Right. I mean, I was telling. I'm going around doing hackathons with our customers because I'm like, we don't know. We need to figure this stuff out. And then like, we, let's, let's all be honest about it. Right. I don't know. We're figuring it out. Uh, we need to be thoughtful about how AI agents are going to be used and how it affects people. Right. We're just talking about cases like the Air Canada example right now. Uh, and I love this. Just ask yourself, is it realistic? Uh, I think this is a very important one. Then we talk about this kind of this, the new normal or because of this balance of the of, of having like the analytics governance and, and and the GRC, right? There's all this focus right now on cybersecurity and privacy that this is going to be a new normal right that, but we do need to find out how we can be efficient within this new normal. And also there's all these silos. So we need to be able to, how do we get everybody talking to each other? So do the privacy folks actually know what's in the master data and how that can be affected? What are the implications of that when it comes to privacy and so forth? Um, can we, can we bring in the risk, the legal folks from the beginning? And people will ask, why even go do that? But that's kind of sounds weird to go do. We'll talk about that in a second here. But organizations will change when it's worth it. So it's, when it's going to show the value, it's going to affect their PL. So these are the things we need to take into account to make sure that it's going to, people are actually going to go drive to make these changes. Um, we, and, and I love how you said, like, we can provide multiples being privacy aware and compliant. And the way to go do this, I mean, we need to start talking to each other, bringing all this stuff together. And it's and, and, and we need to manage the politics, which is like, I got my goal, you got your goal to go do this. So I loved, I, I left like, that section, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of understanding all the issues here. Like, what are we going to go, how are we going to go address this? And I really, really am enjoying figuring out how to take the data product notion and, and as a way to tie all these different kind of political, cultural people silos that you have. 
because the data product is a verb, right? It's the process of how you engage a cross-functional team at the beginning so they can decide together, right? There's persona-driven perspectives, right? We want to have the highest value starting points are. You want to be able to go meet with those subject matter domain experts. You want to collaborate before writing a single line of code. And so we build this muscle memory of how we're talking to each other. Uh, ask the right questions and solve the right problem at the beginning. This is where the Cinefin framework comes in. So I think th th these processes that I that we that we there are all these different processes, these frameworks. Like this is the time to start saying, okay, we're going to go put this all together with the goal of how this is going to provide value to the organization, taking into account all the different perspectives and all the different kind of personas you have in your organization. And at the end of the day, you just got to get your hands dirty. Like there's probably like things you can do for your own personal product so you can kind of map it to what's working and what you're doing at your day-to-day -day job and, and just figure it out and go have fun and play. Put your money where, put your, money where your mouth is. So, uh, Karen, how did we do? Anything we like we keep going for a long time, but I know we're out of time. Yeah. Um, well, again, as always, this is, uh, this is all your content. We're just kind of uh, taking notes from what you said. So thank you so much for is very valuable content you're sharing with everybody. But we're gonna wrap it up. Three questions for you at the end. What's your advice? Who should we invite next? And what resources do you follow? You bet. Uh, what's my advice? Uh, this is non-technical, but I feel it's very powerful. Uh, well, there was one thing that my dad taught me at a young age, which is you should learn to say please and thank you in every language. And I found that to be an, um, a great challenge but also something that um, is really meaningful to, you know, honor folks regardless of if you can't say anything else, at a minimum able, being able to say um, thank you uh, and please uh, is is a big deal. So I'll throw that um, out there. Uh, who should you invite next? I'm gonna throw out, uh, following along the data product uh, themes we discussed is, um, Anna Bergevin, uh, she's a senior data product manager at ResMed and really uh, kind of iterating along in her own experience of AI and how to make it applicable in like the real world um, along the way. So I think you'd have a great conversation with her. Uh, I've, been, I've been following her on LinkedIn. I really, really like her content. She's I mean, awesome. She's, and she's, she's, one of the things she's been experimenting a lot of yes. publicly is about, oh, I'm going to use ChatGPT for this. Like, oh, this worked. Oh, this sucks. And then she's doing this. So I've been giving her, uh, 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 there's, uh, we're chatting also with Shane Gibson. All right. Uh, yes. She's good too. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, and I joke for Anna that she's, <laughs> I told you, you're live streaming your whole like learning experience, which it's I think the point awesome. is the authenticity That's of it. Truly that we really are appreciate. kind of plotting along. Um, mm -hmm. You don't have to be a you know polished expert. Uh, we really are. Um, this is the honest stuff. We're all figuring this stuff. Right. And she, yeah. and I appreciate that she's being public about it. Right. Let's and learn it, together. Learn together. Yes. Right. That's awesome. So uh, so as far as resources that I follow, that's a tough one. Uh, I am all over the place. Uh, just off the top of my head right now, um, I'm a big fan of Benny Benford. Uh, he's on LinkedIn, and I think he's making. You can really tell that he has gone through it uh, for a lot of the commentary he's made on uh, uh, on LinkedIn primarily. Uh, I also am throwing out John Cook, who is a part of my uh, data product group, but is really also really doing some, um, I'll say it, bleeding edge things and making some insights uh, that I think are really powerful in terms of 
what does it actually look like when you are doing it? Uh, meaning uh, the AI uh, enablement for business benefit that someone actually, uh, like a CEO can get excited about. Uh, and then uh, the last one is someone from the GRC space that I think has been really great about um, AI governance specifically, uh, Katarina Corner. And uh, she uh, is really great about bringing in the context of whatever domain, whether healthcare, financial services, you know, customer um, like enablement or interactions of, of staying close to what's going on on the GRC side and um, making it attainable and, um, and engaging. Uh, so I think she's great as well. Did I get all the questions? What do I have more? Yeah, you did. Also, uh, I mean, and then Katharina Corner. I, I want to please connect us with her. I'd love to go uh, meet with her and you know, also invite her to the. I think here. you'd have actually a good conversation because it's kind of like bringing together the two. Uh, yeah, it would be great. And then, uh, and then both both Benny and John have both been on the podcast and highly, highly recommend them. They're they're both. I love how Benny's also like sharing publicly like his his entire kind of world leaving from the corporate starting his own kind of consultancy stuff and, and john's also just a true honest no bs builder guy i love that so so much stuff there's so much great content and people to go follow so uh karen thank you so much quick reminder next week we have scott taylor the data whisperer we're gonna have uh, scott is such an awesome guy to go watch if you have not seen scott just look him up on youtube he's, he's freaking awesome uh and karen thank you so much uh, as always thanks to data world lets us do this every week uh and this was a phenomenal discussion because it helped clear up uh, a lot of the, the questions we've had. And I know many people listening too. Uh, Karen, have a great rest of your week. Thank Cheers, you so much. Karen. Thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers.